previously on The Show Show. Nilfgaard has conquered the kingdoms of blah blah blah. Now on the northern front they face Sintra, the last holdout of the south or something, I don't know. Dun, 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 dun. This show was never for me. Knowledge keeps getting thrown at me, so I, I am a sponge. I pick up all that crap. I think we all can agree that Henry Cavill's a badass. No, I'm not into World of Warcraft. I'm into Warhammer. Let's let's go ahead and set the record straight. And he's good looking, too. Dang it. Damn it, universe. First, damn you, Omicron, for delaying our tour, our cruise, for the show. But, okay, I digress back to a broad summary of... The Witcher. You valley of plenty. And it's just like, man, you know, I don't I don't really want that on a lute. And he is a good singer, too. It is a lot of awkward nerd cringe. Trebuchet. I want a baby. I want a baby. Like they made it bad on purpose, which I hope is true. Oh, I've spent the last three decades in the court. Oh, it was so bothersome. In a dark setting is not your thing. You're probably not going to get anything from this except for Henry Cavill sitting in a bathtub uh, it's really controversial in the community because people are like ah fuck this is something they could have done better I'm so fucking confused by this oh my gosh this is interesting why do all the wizards when they have a little uh, place they have of their own they just put a whole bunch of naked people having an orgy around them (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I'm just convinced it's like the ancient mage like home security system. Somebody's trying to sneak in and get you. They immediately get enchanted into joining your orgy, and they're just stuck there. You know that if they're not fucking, they're a threat. It's like if they're not. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you! You're not having sex. It's an you're intruder. Not, you're not eating a grape out of a belly button. What are you doing here? I can't. I, cringe is hard for me, right? Like. Whenever there's cringy stuff, I, I just look away. Yeah, I do like the gore more than Jay. Throw more boobs in there. Mm-hmm. More more boobs. Two of your hosts here might have COVID. That is a wonderful topical holiday trivia tidbit. Pump the garbage out. We need to make some paychecks. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show show. It's pretty simple. We're three friends who love TV shows. We pick a show to watch every month, and we get together here to talk about it together. Welcome to episode 46. Here we'll be discussing the 2013 MTV original comedy series created by Bo Burnham. People love being saved. That's why Jesus rose to stardom so quickly. Today on the show show, Zach Stone is going to be famous. I want to welcome you inside the broadcast booth. I am Jay. I'm joined today by my two Hall of Famers. I got Aaron and Tony. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Howdy do. We've got a great show for you today, uh, but first, check out our social media for news about the show, including our currently postponed 2022 tour and cruise, along with plenty of bonus content. You can find that at the Show Show Pod. You want to send us an email, uh, you can find us at uh, the Show Show TV Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube channel, that's Mandamus Radio, if you're not there already. You can find me individually online at Jesu Esponte. Aaron, where can we find you? At Tenacious Aaron on Twitter, rarely, but sometimes I'm there. And Tony? You can find me on Instagram at T Pinquite. 
For those of you on the live stream, we might be taking calls later on the show if there's time. So get those calls lined up with our producer. Uh, you can call 888-787-1310. That's 888-787-1310. Looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, before we get to the show and before the unofficial scoreboard, we've got a little bit of news for the world out there. For anybody paying attention at home, uh, we are going to be approaching 50 episodes pretty soon. And exciting. Yeah. Uh, and in order to celebrate such a thing, uh, we decided to take on a little bit of an extra project. We are going to be reviewing the classic 1990s to 2010s uh, David Lynch series Twin Peaks. Cult classic Twin Peaks. Very excited. We're going to be doing it in its entirety. Old series, new series, movie in the middle. We're going to be talking about it, and I'm very excited. I I have chills. I am so excited. This, this is one of my favorite pieces of art. Like, I have to frame it in that because it is a TV show. It is like starts out as network television. But ultimately, it is one of the most interesting and compelling pieces of art I have ever experienced. And I have wanted to hear what my two co-hosts' opinion are on this subject for a while. So I'm, I'm thoroughly excited to take this journey with you guys. Man, I'm, I'm pretty excited myself. T- Tony, are, do you have any experience with, uh, with Twin Peaks before? Uh, I do not. I'm excited. I know it's referenced a ton in other popular culture. So I know specifically there's like a psych episode that parodies Twin Peaks I think with some of the original cast um, but I'm excited to see the original series and the new series and everything there are a lot there are a lot of pop culture references out there I think actually there's a couple in Psych because I've, I've watched Psych 2 and like the main character in uh, Twin Peaks is Dale Cooper and we were watching Psych the other day and randomly like one of the witnesses was someone named Dale Cooper and I was like <laughs> ah little little Red crumbs in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you say that because I, I watched the pilot episodes over the last couple of days after we, we uh, decided to make this decision here. And it felt like when I watched The Godfather for the first time about like only two or three years ago. And it, it was it's that moment where it's like, oh, OK, now I understand what like those references were, too. It all kind of clicked a little bit for me. Yep. Uh, so I'm 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 really excited about watching that. So that's that's going to be a few months down the road. Uh, so be looking for that for our 50th grand spectacular special. Just for those who want to watch along, that's season one, season two, the movie Fire Walk with Me, and then the return. Very excited for uh, for anybody who's uh, listening along with us contemporaneously. Uh, the original series is on Paramount Plus. That's where you can find it at the moment. Uh, so uh, today we're going to be talking about Zach Stone is going to be famous. Before we get to that, uh, I did want to take a quick journey over to our unofficial scoreboard. Uh, Tony, any offerings for the unofficial scoreboard tonight? Uh, well, I did watch, I think last week I nominated Hawkeye uh, as for the show that didn't quite uh, please the gods on the Wheel of Randomonium, but I watched it that. Smoked. It was okay. I wouldn't say it was great, but I think it was pretty entertaining. It's like a little Christmassy special movie. Um, so, okay, I'd give it like a mid-tier rating. Um, on the anime side, uh, I don't know if y'all watched the first eight season of Demon Slayer, or they kind of had like a little mini arc that was like they came out with a movie 
and they did a little mini arc, a seven episode mini arc. But this newest, like season two, I guess is what I would call it, has been excellent so far. So if anybody's been watching that and they've seen only the first season, definitely pick it up uh, with the second season. It's on my to-do list for sure. I'd rate that very highly, like eight or nine out of ten so far. It's only been like uh, seven or eight episodes, I think. How about you, Aaron? So, um, while we were sick, uh, Christy started watching uh, Midnight Mass. It was actually kind of funny because, like, at first I wasn't watching it with her. Like, she watched, like, the first episode and I was, like, sorting magic cards or something kind of off in the background. Um, And as kind of the episode unfolded, I started getting more and more interested in it. And then, like, by episode three, like, I I was hooked. Like, I couldn't stop watching so uh very very compelling very good storytelling uh it it really is one of those things where like they say that some of the best storytelling left in cinema is in horror um it it, they did a great job and it really is a unique take on an old trope so uh would recommend eight out of ten a lot of fun one season short and sweet uh story one and done um we also watched a sitcom called the neighbors (laughs) Which is like a Jersey family moving to a neighborhood filled with aliens, um, and it it's like you know mindless shitcom is how I would describe it, like a six out of ten shitcom. But it definitely gets more and more grating as it goes on. So it goes from like a like a six to like a like a five or a four uh, as it gets into the second season. My mind went somewhere different when you said The Neighbors. It went to this current CBS sitcom called The Neighborhood, which I've never watched. With Schmidt? Uh, But yeah, it's got Schmidt from New Girl basically as the gentrifier moving into, I think, Cedric the Entertainer's neighborhood. Really? And it it looks like the definition of just peak CBS just turd on a platter served <laughs> straight to the retirement home um and i and when you said oh, i've been watching the neighborhood i, I thought no N- like man I, I know you watch melissa and joey and stuff but you're not watching the neighborhood <laughs> melissa and joey is a quality shit come i would give it at least a a solid six mindless doesn't have to worry about any type of anything so <laughs> I I am unashamed by my enjoyment of shitcoms. Well, thank thank you for those offerings to the unofficial scoreboard, Aaron. What about you? I've got uh, I got a couple today. One TV show, which is uh, it's it's uh, available on Hulu. It's a British sitcom. It's only six episodes. Quick little show. It's called Bloods. It's about paramedics in London. Funny little show. Really enjoyed it. Anybody, if you like British humor, I'd especially say check it out. Uh, something else I'd like to I'd like to complain about briefly, guys, if you'll indulge me. Complain on the Assassin's Creed franchise of video games. Um, I'll I'll admit the first one I ever played was the Greek one, Odyssey. That was Odyssey, right? The not the current one, but the n- 
the most previous one. Honestly, it was good. I had a lot of fun playing it. The whole like Sparta versus Athens thing, you know, that, that seems kind of unique and fun. Uh, so recently there was a bundle where you could buy Origins, which was the one before that, along with Valhalla, which is the current one for, you know, half off. So I was like, sure, let's do it. And I guess my problem was I'd never played a second Assassin's Creed game before because it's just all the same shit again, right? Um, yeah, I think uh... it's like the the buildings are all the same. It's just the the dressing has changed. Where you know, in, instead of being in in Egypt, now we're uh, now now we're in the Norse lands. I was very disappointed. I I think that the the thing that I remember because I played the very first one. And I remember the big selling point was like they redid like 13th century Jerusalem, like almost exactly. And so like you got to run around Jerusalem. But yeah, like it was there was like seven or eight variations of the same quest. <laughs> you know, you just did that over and over. Jump into a hay bale, run over here, assassinate these five people, jump over here to take these six things, run over here, kill these six people. Yeah, like that's that is kind of the game. Yeah. Um, and I. I will admit, though, the the current one, Valhalla, where you're a Viking, it's, at least in the beginning, it's a little more just, like, bludgeoning people and a little less, like, sneaking around. And that's right up my alley in video game, uh, like, space. You, so, you like the hack and slash? You know, I'm, I'm not a sophisticated gamer. Like, for example, in uh, first-person shooters, I love GoldenEye, where you just run around. I don't really like once you get to the point where you have to, like, duck behind cover, you know? You just want to mm. face tank everything. So you, you like a more straightforward game. Very much. You know, I think video games kind of peaked around like Super Mario 64. Platformers. You like platformers. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. I will say uh, these newer Assassin's Creed games, I think, are pretty different to way to the way this franchise started. Because it's pretty old. Like back when we all would have been in early high school, I think. And I think those are more like stealth assassination games like you have to blend in with the crowds and you have to sneak around and pretty much one shot everybody versus i think starting with that origins or it's in egypt it became like an open world and you're not i think there's still assassination techniques but now you're like fighting more and your assassinations aren't like one hit killing everybody it's more like an rpg style Uh, yeah in odyssey don't you, like, put talent points into shit? Yeah, there's, like, a skill tree and all that. Yeah, I feel like that's what I remember about Odyssey. It's like me and me and Adam did it. Like, we played through the entire thing all the way to the end of Odyssey. And then we got to, like, the DLC, and it really felt lackluster. Like, whenever the Because it was kind of like a like we built to a certain point. It's like, oh, by the way, like, some, some more cults showed up. Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Okay, so um, I, I don't know. I haven't really been interested in any. I have. It's been hard lately for me to find new games that I'm really, really interested in. I played through the Halo games with a buddy, but then they screwed up the new Halo and didn't make it co-op, which is mind-boggling to me. So I just stick with my com- my comfort blankets. Well, those are my offerings for the unofficial scoreboard. Uh, let's get into our show for this week. Uh, Zach Stone is gonna be famous uh, this was an offering from me and uh, this is a show that i'd seen once before a few years ago back when it was only available on mtv's proprietary website and you had to watch dumb ads to to do it but uh, within the last six months or ago it resurfaced on netflix and i was i was really excited so i was really excited to to, to share this show with you guys and i'm excited to talk about it um our basic premise is pretty simple 
It's a 18-year-old graduating from high school who has decided to spend his life savings on hiring a camera crew to follow his everyday life in anticipation of his imminent fame, even though he has no ostensible talents. And so we we follow his relationships with his his family, some of his friends, with uh, some of the other people in the town who try to uh, use him and how he tries to use them. And eventually we find out how Zach handles fame right at the end. So I'm excited to get into it with you guys. I'm ready. I, I will say this. I want to preface this. I am not a huge fan of stand-up. Like... If it's on and it's funny, that's great. But I I do not seek out stand-up as a format of entertainment that I, I like. This like this type of storytelling, like with this kind of making the, the stand-up into a story is a lot more palatable. But I will say that Bo Burnham kinda grates me a little bit. <laughs> So uh, I I laughed quite a few times throughout the series, but it it felt very much like I was watching, and maybe because it is not 2012 anymore, but it just felt like I was watching a very much like a D-list TV show on YouTube. Yeah, I have to I have to apologize, Aaron. I like pathologically forget that you hate cringe comedy and i understand that you can appreciate it but it, it's something that you dislike as i think we all heard you talk about in the open so uh apologies for 12 episodes of cringe it, it you know honestly like there's just like certain moments and episodes that like it was so bad that i like walked into the other room and had to like watch it through the pictures on the wall um <laughs> but it like i, I would say like 70 percent of it was fine like like fine it was like just kind of like a haha or you know funny but there were some moments there were some moments that really i just was like uh, like make as much noise as possible so it maybe drown out how awkward it is in the room it did fall into a little bit of a formula for a few episodes and, and it got a little bit i guess tropey but i guess that's it's mtv what can you expect but i thought it was a very interesting endeavor I'll, I'll, that's how i'll kind of start off the discussion i'm definitely on that end of the spectrum too i don't really i just need it's like the first season of succession except worse i think there was just not enough like pressure releases on the cringe so i think we can tell how my final grade's gonna be but i just needed some more like i just that's a lot of points of the show i'm just like how like one i either couldn't see how um in the span of hiring in this tv crew this guy had changed so much to have the friends he does, or I couldn't see how these people were still friends with him after the way he treats them. I'm just like, he has redeeming moments throughout the show, but they just weren't enough for me to like get over it. He was too narcissistic for them to feel genuine too. Like yeah. in, every time that he would have like a moment where it would almost feel like he's learning a lesson or he's being empathetic or he's being real, he would then stomp all over that in the next moment right after. And, I, and again, I looked at some of the kind of like commentary about this from the time. And of course, MTV has kind of peddled this. You can be famous and, you know, reality star like bullshit, which is horrible in and of itself. So this show is, I guess, kind of a critique or commentary on that part of our culture. 
Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it <laughs> it it doesn't feel like anyone learns a lesson, right? Like even at the end of the show, you know, spoilers. Uh, you know, Zach Stone's gonna be famous. He gets all the girls wanting his signature, and you see him smile and start to to sing. And you look in Amy's face, and it's like she just made the biggest mistake of her life. I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Tony? Like it didn't have that payout. It felt like he'd still got away with being a shitty person. Yeah, like he didn't. That's what I'm saying. Is like I can't see the image that they would have had to have seen before he became like horrible for the show. I don't. It like literally made me feel bad. I think I binged the first four or five episodes. I think right after we after it won the coveted Wheel of Randomonium prize, um, and I was like, I just can't. I'm gonna have to binge it, and that's what I did actually this morning and then like after i was done i just felt like not sick but just bad like i just felt bad after watching it like sad for all the i mean i know they're not real characters but i'm just like man just like how can they put up with this crap and then yeah just like i wanted uh zach stone to be like redeemed but then yeah like right at the end he just uh you can tell it's not gonna make a difference which is maybe the point but Perhaps that's the social commentary that our society rewards horrible people for being horrible and and they don't learn the lesson because they're continually rewarded for awful things. And I guess like that's super meta, but it's not super fun to watch, I guess. Like the first half was a lot more like hardcore cringe in the second half. I feel like they really toned it down. Maybe once they got rid of the whole hot girl plot. Uh, I think it kind of evened out to a better balance. I no, I don't know. The ones that I was leaving the room were at the end. <laughs> like I, I was, I was struggling. It, it is somewhat disingenuous for Bo Burnham, who is a creation of the YouTube Snake Pit, to come and teach us nobodies a lesson about how destructive it is to want fame. You know, start starting from that point. Definitely now for. I felt like the the back half of the show kind of dragged and they seemed to lean a little too hard onto the storyline between Zach, Amy and Nick. And I, I found myself wanting a little bit more of the stories yeah. with the, for lack of a better word, the, the hot girl who I can't remember her name um, because the I think brother. there, there was a lot of, you know, I, oh. I think there, there was maybe a little bit more to say through her about society and its relationship to fame. But see, like if you look at this, like they did the makeover sex tape, get, you know, girls, girls gone wild, celebrity chef bachelor, like every single episode is just a pop culture trope, right? Like that, that that's one of the things why it's like, this feels more like a YouTube show is that I could see all of these being a clever, funny YouTube thing. For the quality that it was, I guess I can't, I, I don't know, is is uh, Siesta Keys on MTV also? Yes. I'm trying to gauge, like, quality level. Like, <laughs> like Siesta Keys had more money, it felt like, than this at times. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I told Trissy, like, we were watching it, and I was like, there are moments where I'm laughing. Like, like some of the, the jokes, whenever he said, like, a poor man's uh, Andrew Garfield when describing his brother. <laughs> but that was like, I, I busted out laughing at some of the stand-up jokes. Like, they, they were funny. His relationship with his family is something I really love about this show because 
the relationship to the dad where the dad doesn't believe in the dream but eventually softens and you know reveals that he sees more in Zack and himself than he previously realized but especially especially the relationship between Zack and his little brother that felt so true to life uh, I cuz I know you guys have siblings right yes yeah no picking on your younger sibling is is a big part of real life yeah not for all the negative i've said i really think i thought all of the acting i thought all the Actors and actresses were great. The parents. I loved Biff. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I thought everyone, I mean, Amy and Greg, his friends, mm-hmm. I thought they did an excellent job too. So I thought, I mean, the acting and then like the comedy, like it's rapid fire. Like I caught myself, you know, when you hear someone say something to you and your brain's like taking a three second break before it processes what happens. I found myself that like catching the jokes after they'd happened and, and laughing after the fact. But I was sidetracked by some cringe i think in moments that made me miss a lot of the humor but i think everything was top quality the humor was top quality the acting production value that was all good i thought the the incorporation of the camera crew at times hilarious mm-hmm. that's that's whenever you do a a mockumentary show if you can include the camera crew that that's something that's going to tickle me so much you know one of my favorite shows trailer park boys some of my favorite bits of that show was when the the camera crew would like get shot during the shenanigans and then have to take him to the hospital and stuff like that dude in trailer park boys countdown to liquor day when like the camera crew is like involved in the car chase yes Yes, that that gets me. I, I love that. And I, I love that you actually a little bit got to see the relationship between him and the camera crew grow to the point that at the end, they're almost kind of trying to protect him from some things. They're sensing when he's going to be vulnerable at others. I, I really enjoyed that dynamic. I will I will say I like the parts where he would like call cut, be real for a moment, and then go try and go back into it. Like those were little things that I did appreciate about the show. Yes. Um, and again, Bo Burnham is creative. I think that he's very witty. I think that a lot of his commentary is good. My my problem is that kind of like what you said, like how dare you, YouTube fame seeker, come telling the poor man, you know how how terrible fame is. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like disingenuous to a, to a point. You know, it's like whenever rich people are like, "Oh, money won't solve your problems." Yeah, it ain't gonna make it ain't gonna make them worse though. How about the the theme song each time? It's good. I like that part. It got cut in my head every week. Yeah, I love when there was different versions of it. Like the little Halloween in August episode. That was a pretty good one. And the hero one. That was good, too. He's just knocking food out of people's mouths and hands. Uh, Jay, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the co-creator of the show was? Oh, no. Dan Lagana? Okay. Uh, best known for Zach Stone's going to be famous and the showrunner for American Vandal. Oh, okay. I can, you know what? I can see a lot of that, that kind of that humor DNA in both of those shows. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that this, I, it kind of made sense after I read that he, he got his start on Malcolm in the middle. That's really interesting. Uh, quick sidebar. Aaron, have you ever watched a show called vexed? It's a British cop comedy show. Say the name again. It's called Vexed. V e x e d. No, I have not. I was curious because it's it's created by the same person who created Future Man, and oh. I was like, I enjoyed Future Man quite a lot. 
And that's actually kind of how I got to Bloods, the show that I mentioned uh, for the unofficial wheel, uh, because one of the stars of that show was also in Vexed, uh, actress by the name of Lucy Punch. She was also at a, she had a tiny, tiny bit in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I recognize her. But yeah, so maybe sometime in the future, be looking for Vexed. I recognize her from Hot Fuzz. Uh, me and Christy started like the first five seconds of, of Bloods, and whenever the guy was getting like the panels on the on the his friend she was like i'm done with the show <laughs> okay fair she 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 doesn't do a medical crisis no I, I think it's too much slapstick for her she's not a big slapstick person oh okay i love slapstick i'm I, I will probably go back and watch it but she does not appreciate slapstick well fair enough well back to back to zach stone i think i as a as a television viewer i assign a disproportionate amount of judgment about a show based on its opening credits bit. I I just, Mm. I like a good opening credits bit. And when a show doesn't have it, sometimes I excuse it and sometimes I don't. And this show, I thought every time, you know, the way that they can change it, it, it made me laugh, loved it. That's, that's always a big positive in my book for a show. Yeah, no, any time that a show can take its intro and make it unique for each one, that's always fun, too. Like, l- last week, talking about The Witcher, uh, you know, talking about how it, how it needed a, a map like Game of Thrones, I think something that The Witcher could have re- really benefited from, in my subjective view, is I think if the intro could have been a little bit better, if he gave us uh, some music to hum that's going to stick with me, like the Game of Thrones theme, or Zack Stone is going to be famous. Like, that's, you know, that's something that, that would have helped this guy. That was a weird way to end that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the Christie girl, that was the hot girl in the beginning, right? That y'all were talking about? Yes. What, I guess, what do you think that, because you said that you wish that they had kind of explored some more through her and not so much leaned into the Amy uh, storyline. What what would you have rather them kind of explored with this? Because this really is just a vehicle to, to look at some social commentary about pop culture, right? It's not really telling a real story or anything mm-hmm. like that. So what what is something that you wish that they would have addressed better? You know, that, that's a good question. Maybe it's more that I, I just wanted less Amy, maybe, and not necessarily more Christy. You didn't like the Girl Next Door storyline? I did and I didn't. I think one one big criticism I'll have is is Bo Burnham's performance himself. I think one one big way to improve the show is to recast Zach Stone. But the the story with Amy, I'm not sure I really buy it. Oh, of course, there's plenty of examples of, you know, especially when you're 18, having a best friend of the opposite sex who you have s- secret feelings for. But if Zach is as unsuccessful, unsuccessful in love as we are led to believe, and if uh, we don't, I guess we don't really get any much information about Amy's love life apart from her relationship with Nick. But basically, I, 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 I don't buy that they wouldn't have revealed their feelings for each other sooner. So I, I was never really rooting for them to get together. So like Greg, like you were like Greg. Greg was like, you get, you like Amy like this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. loved Greg by the way. Yeah, everyone's so sweet. It's just like I know I've said it several times. Just like I can't believe they would not have like a stern talk with their friend if he was like great before this all started. Or they would have just blown him off all the time because he's so, so outrageous, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you were going to stay friends with someone like this, you'd be like, oh, that's just Zach. 
He's he's outrageous. Yeah. They forgave him way too easily, like especially Greg. And his mom. His mom mm-hmm. forgave him way too easily. Yeah. That was one thing Christy was so pissed about. She's like, he does not deserve forgiveness. Like the, he, he has not <laughs> repented enough. Yeah, that moment in the in the finale where the, the father says to her, we need to start making decisions that benefit all of us, not just Zach. Like that that was a, a pretty powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think one part I didn't like is like uh, for most of the show, he was just kind of like not mean or violent, but then like towards the end, they kind of made him like not violent, but like he just straight up putt putted the crap out of that gnome. And then when he's doing the audition for the student production movie, he just like smashes a plate on the table. Like they made him like really have strong outbursts and like he was really big jerk to Amy when he kind of like I mean I know he was lashing out but like I liked it better when like at the beginning he'd lash out but he'd just be like well yeah well you're like a stupid doo-doo head or something like that like something lame because he's a lame guy like I like that more like that kind of lashing out more than like the kind of like extreme that he kind of became at the end yeah he could be really like needlessly hurtful and Something that I I didn't like about the show, specifically about Bo Burnham's performance, was that whenever it came time for the apology, and it was, you know, him, in quotes, being real, that he just, he put on this affect every single time where it was like, all right, now I'm going to be real now. And hey, I want to apologize. And like, yeah, he he got into this cadence where he'd he'd kind of stutter his words a little bit and be a little unsure of what he was about to say. But it just, I'd, I didn't buy it as an actor. I I think that for young creatives, it's a really common trap to fall into to try and and paint yourself into the biggest role. And you know, I think Bo Burnham made that mistake in this show. I think that's a good analysis. I, I think that he he may have a better job writing than acting mm-hmm. because of how over the top. Now, at the same time, if he's trying to give a commentary on how cruel people who, who seek, you know, celebrity at all cost are and can be, then I can understand that. I think that and, and maybe people are over forgiving. Maybe that's also part of his own experiences is seeing how cruel he can be to other people and they still tolerate it. Look at like one of the things that like while I was watching this I kept thinking of and maybe I'm I'm weird but uh do you remember the Bam Margera show Viva La Bam and just how much absolute hell and and brimstone and shit fire that Bam Margera put his family mm-hmm. through for TV and they just kind of took it and yelled and screamed and got paid. So uh to to some extent, like if you're if I if you look at the the pure social commentary value, the pure cultural commentary value of this show, I think that he hits a lot of things that are probably true. I think that he nails a lot of concepts, but it's kind of like looking like be like like seeing beyond the looking glass or looking behind the the curtain, like that that bursts the fantasy bubble of like television or of Hollywood or of celebrity. And and maybe that's his point is to burst that bubble, but people don't people don't want their their sacred cow sacrificed, right? <laughs> they don't nope. they don't want their illusions destroyed. Mm. So so in in a certain sense, it falls flat because that's exactly what he's I guess trying to do is to show you how cruel 
people who who seek fame really are and how you they, they're not heroes they're not who you should look up to and in doing so he creates this shitty character that that goes through this shitty storyline uh, that that you watch so i mean to to me i think that's the 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 best way i could hash out this show <laughs> um for the most value but what do you, what do you guys think I liked Bo Burnham in the role. I thought he did a good job. But I think that's because I'm coming off of... I think I recommended that Netflix special Inside that he did where he kind of just he like locked himself in a small house for I don't even know long. It might have been a whole year to make a little comedy special. And I thought that was pretty like amazing. I'd definitely recommend that. So maybe I'm high on my opinion of him coming off of that. But I thought he did well in the show. Like, I thought he did a good job of going from, like, manic to serious. Well, Tony, have you watched his his other earlier comedy specials? I have not. I've only just seen, like, uh, song clips on YouTube, and I thought those were always pretty funny. But I haven't actually watched a stand-up special or any other TV shows with him in them. Okay. Well, that I mean, if you've seen the the songs, that that's basically it. You know, uh, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bo Burnham in general, and, I'm, and I am a big fan of stand-up. But what... What he did in his in his earlier shows, and I, I guess also continuing with Inside, is he really he subverts a lot of your expectations. It's it's never quite what you think it's going to be. It's not traditional stand up, and it's it's something I really enjoyed. But if I if I were to sit down and look at the track list of the the bits or the songs that he does, he probably only really hits about fifty fifty for me because there's a lot of stuff in there. Where I'm like. This is just weird, and I I almost Aaron like have to go into the other room and watch it through the reflections on the on the portraits. Uh, so <laughs> the this this sitcom for me, his hit rate on making me laugh is a lot higher than his stand up. Uh, but it's it's just a reminder for me that even with the stuff that I, I like a lot, like like Seinfeld, it can be kind of hit or miss. There there are good and bad episodes of everything in fandom. Right, like there are universally loved and hated episodes of Star Trek. Oh, absolutely. Now, one one thing I wanted to draw attention to was I think the the character's name was Nick, the other guy, the the personal trainer who dated Amy. Uh, that actor also played in Upload, with another show that we watched earlier. Yeah, Christy pointed that out. I was like, "Oh, it is. He's so young here." <laughs> and I thought his maybe it's just that he didn't have a very big part here, or that he was much younger, or what. But I thought his performance was a thousand times more believable in this than an upload. I thought he was terrible in that show. Uh, I don't remember being terrible, but I do remember feeling like he looked a lot smaller in this show. Yeah, that's true. I liked him. I guess my ideal version of this show would just be like, well, obviously step down the cringe a bit, but everything could be almost the same, but have Zach grow a little bit. But I guess if y'all are saying like it was supposed to be some sort of social commentary, like I just took it at face value. It was supposed to be a funny show. And I think I would have liked it better if he would have grown, like even if it was very slightly, like what if the episode where he wants to get buff or whatever, like maybe he starts going to the gym and his lesson is like, he starts not exercising all the time, but starts taking a little bit better care of himself. And you see that carry on. Or he eats a little bit healthier through the show or something like that. And then we, like, we want our protagonist to evolve to become better. Yeah. Like as he goes, maybe he like discovers that he's good at editing or directing and like by the end of the show, that's what he does. He wants to go to like college for film school or something. And he has this whole experience made him good at that. 
and that's how he like ultimately ultimately is going to be famous or something. Like I would have liked a character arc, I guess, basically, but there was no progress. I thought there was, and then the very last ten seconds kind of erased everything. All of it. Well, let me ask you at the at the end there. Before they leave the television station where Amy has come back to Zach and they profess their love for each other and Zach says something along the lines of, I don't need fame, I just need you. So at that moment, are you are you guys rooting for, for them to be together and Zach to uh, forget about fame? I am. I'm honestly not rooting for anything. I'm just watching it happen. <laughs> okay. Christy was like, he doesn't deserve her. Yes. She should not be doing this. Yes, I, I was I was rooting against them being together. I was thinking, man, if because I couldn't, I, I'm kind of an amnesiac about plots, about shows. Once once I finish it, you could, you know, I couldn't really, really tell you, uh, which is why so many times I need you guys to tell me about what happened. I, I couldn't remember what happened uh, re-watching this show. So when we get right down to the end, I'm kind of in my mind booing it, thinking, man, I don't want this to end with the lesson being, oh, you just need the girl. So I thought that the the fact that they brought it, they turned it back around on you, and like Aaron described, we zoom out on Amy's face, realizing her mistake. I thought that was a perfect ending to the story. I can't, I can't yeah. disagree. Like it, it's you, it leaves you asking the question, was this just another scheme? Is this just how the world works? Uh, you know, Zach clearly didn't learn any lessons. I think that that's probably one of those things. It's, it's the same thing. Why I struggle with succession is shitty people, not necessarily getting their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I like, uh, Sunny in Philadelphia is yeah, they're shitty people, but they get their comeuppance all the time. Like nothing ever actually works out at the end. True. I, they don't get away with it. It feels like Bo Burnham or, or Zach got away with it in the end. As in, I think they may have had to speed up some certain storylines. Like I know it's only, I think 13 episodes is twelve. how long it is, but I read on, is it just 12? Yes. All right. Uh, I read online that they aired... <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think they they aired, uh, like they had to move its time slot after like five or six episodes, and then they aired episodes eight and nine back to back in one week, and then like the next week they just unloaded the final three episodes. So I guess it was floundering, but I feel like maybe that's because Amy and the little love triangle thing, like that thing, just like all of a sudden, they, Amy and Nick went from happy to like Amy's like oh, he just doesn't get me. And she's ignoring his text. And like literally nothing happened from the episode before that to that part. I feel like they just had to fast forward a lot of plot lines. And maybe that's because they had already been told to wrap it up because the show was going away. So maybe that's why it felt laggy towards the end for you, Jay. That's possible. I would like to say that, I, I don't know, I wish I liked Stand Up better. And I wish I liked Bo Burnham better. Like I like a lot of his songs, but... Like, some of his stuff is so off-putting, like, and I guess that's maybe his goal, but I'm I'm like, I don't know that I want to watch this right now, you know? Like, I've watched some of his music videos, and, like, they're funny, but some of them become, like, really, really intense and weird, like you were saying, Jay. Yeah. And, and it's like, are you just trying to be shock value for shock value's sake? You know, like, there, there's a certain element of that. When he's witty, he's on it, Right. Like, Welcome to the Internet, I thought was brilliant. Like, one of the most interesting and, and well-done songs about our culture and time right now. Mm-hmm. 
But then other songs, I'm just kind of like, eh, I can I can leave it. Like he does one where he's, it's like the two sides of his brain singing to each other. And it goes on for way too long. It's very cringy and reveals a little bit too much about him to the audience. And you're like, can we just kind of, can, can we move it along a little bit? I felt like Inside really could have benefited from an audience because it felt like the the fact that it was just him so I- isolated that really increased the cringe for me at least. Why why do you think cringe has become so relied upon as a a comedic vehicle in modern comedy? Because like like I rewatch Brooklyn Nine Nine a few times and there are some like minor moments. But, like, anytime that there's, like, anything really cringy, one of the things that I notice is that someone in the show calls out the cringe. And in doing so, it kind of dispels it. It's whenever it's it's just left there hanging that it, it really just is, like, it burns you. Like in The Office, right? There's lots of times that it's just left hanging and hanging and hanging. Oh, Michael Scott's tots. Um, <laughs> like, like though that's, that's the thing is like, like th- there's comedy there, but it feels like there's also like a desire to torture the audience and leaving the cringe as long as possible. Well, ha- so I, I don't know. I, I to me, I, w- I feel like that's the cheap laugh. Whereas now it becomes harder to craft comedy that doesn't rely on cringe. And, and I, I kind of am missing that formula have you watched any of uh tim robinson's i think you should leave i have not you probably shouldn't (laughs) because it's (laughs) like it's maybe peak cringe and it's i think maybe to to try and deconstruct it a little bit cringe at its core is somebody in the situation is breaking the social contract and everybody else has to has to stand around and watch so maybe it just taps into into something in all of us being you know just the absurdity of modern of of modern life and all these dumbass rules that we all have to abide by but we're somehow all better for it's you know like curb your enthusiasm is a 12 seasons of that see but here's the thing again with curb there's cringe but there's comeuppance I think that that's why I can handle Curb a lot more mm-hmm. is that at the end of the day, Larry David, it doesn't, it rarely works out for Larry David. Mm-hmm. He challenges the social rules. He steps all over them. He creates this awkward situation and then it comes back to bite him in the ass. And it's almost like you get this kind of conversation between an individual pushing the boundaries of culture, society or whatever, and then society and culture pushing back. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't feel like you get that payoff and maybe that's it. Maybe I just, I'm looking for there to be a reason for the cringe or a, a, it being some part of something bigger. Whereas I feel like some people just like load it up with as much cringe and leave it. And then it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's just funny to cringe. Right. That's, that's what I feel like some of it is. Okay. No, I, I can I can one hundred percent under understand that because I think I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't look for that release, and so I I still enjoy it without it. But I I see what you're saying about how having that release of the tension allows allows it to be a little bit different. 
it's cathartic. Like, like if you just build the cringe all the time, like it eventually gets to a point where it's just like, why am I watching this? Mm-hmm. If there's no release, if there's no kind of like, like if it just constantly builds up, it, it, it becomes so uncomfortable. I, I just can't look at it. Mm-hmm. Whereas other shows where they'll like pepper a little bit of cringe, like Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec definitely has some cringy moments. But there's a there's a lot of payouts throughout that show on the cringe, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a lot of turning it around, flipping it, you know, things like that. So I, I, to me, there's there's absolutely a place for cringe and comedy. I, I think that it can be very funny. I can laugh at it, but I, I need it to tie into something. There used to be some type of payout for for it to really work for me. Sure. Yeah, I think for me, I like I genuinely want to like. <laughs> the characters like even if they're an asshole or they're even evil like in a show like i want to like them on some level and i think that's when there's no kind of like like you mentioned aaron a comeuppance or like some sort of release or character growth it's just like why do i keep watching this show when the guy the people are not likable like i wish uh, on this show that zach stone was like i wish his character his a uh, sorry on camera character was like super cringe but it was like something he was doing for the cameras. But you see when he's being serious, when they cut, he's still like, except for those little moments where he's trying to halfway apologize to people. He's like, he's like that all the time. Even in the last episode, when he's thinking about, he's always been a jerk to Greg. He's like, here's when we were doing this and I lit him on fire for my magic show. Like it's seems like he's always been that way. And therefore I find him not likable. Good times. That one time I lit you on fire. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's just that's just a per- personal thing for me. Like I want to like them even if they're not good people. So I need something to kind of like release or yeah, make me feel for them in some way. Now that we're talking through it, I think what what I like so much about this show is that what what it, what happens in almost every episode is that Zach tells a lie or an exaggeration or an embellishment and then is immediately called out as lying and then doubles down on the lie to, you know, to his own detriment and to comedic effect. And, you know, watching someone just continue to try to build the track of that lie as the train is going and then watching that train go down in, into the ravine is something that I think is really, really funny. I, I can't, I can't, like I said, I can't deny that I laughed like throughout the entire thing. It, it just, it doesn't, it's not the, it's, it's what Tony said. I, I didn't like Zach at the end of the day. Yeah. He's, he's a real shit. <sighs> well, that's, that's about all the notes that I've got. You guys want to get some ratings in? Absolutely. Alrighty. I, I'll go first. Um, I, as, as I've mentioned, this, this is a show I enjoy a lot. It's not, it's not perfect. It's not a, a Chernobyl or a, or a, a band of brothers. It doesn't really make me think all that much, but it did make me laugh quite a lot. So this is going to be an 8.5 for me, and I will make a bold claim. I will say that, in my opinion, this is the best teen sitcom ever made, and I will pass the floor to Tony. Before, I'm going to have to stand by. I think I'm going to have to have it be like a five and a half for me just but i think it's more of like a personal bias like i said i really do i like the production i liked all the actors i like bo burham as a character it was just hard for me to get through the cringe on this one so 
not really a bad show, but just not for me. So that's why my rating's low. All right, 5.5 from Tony and Aaron. So I, I, I give a lot of props to Bo Burnham for what, what I would see as an attempt at some pretty poignant social commentary. At this point, looking back, though, it feels like it kind of falls flat. And again, maybe that's just because it's it's a little dated now. Didn't really care for the persona, the character. The cringe was rough for me as well. I, I'm writing at a probably about a four. And if someone's like, I love cringe, I can't get enough, I would like, hey, this is probably the show for you. But otherwise, this is not a show that I would put on my recommend list to people. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm sitting at a solid four. I will say Christy, like, rode, like, a one through most of it. At one point, there was, like, a moment where Amy, like, had, like, a good moment. And she was like, oh, I, I've bumped it up to a two. And then immediately after there, like, Zach was horrible. And so she's like, it's back to a one throughout the rest of the series. <laughs> Wow, knives out from Christy. <laughs> it was it was she she viscerally hated Zach. Like she was like he's such a narcissist. It it just makes me hate this person so much. Has has she like like Tony said, his friends don't deserve his family doesn't deserve this. You know, and they're very too quick to just accept his apology without really any change in his behavior. Yeah, you know, if if uh, if someone being horrible to their friends and family is your like blood and gore and people getting their heads cut off, like yeah, I can I can a hundred percent be understand being turned off viscerally by a show like this. Mm-hmm. All right, well we've got uh, let's see, we've got eight point five from me, we've got five point five from Tony, and a four from Aaron. That gives us an average score of six. If you'll give me one moment, I can tell you just about where that falls. That feels right for me. Like I, I don't dispute that number. I eyeballing it. It looks like it's see, it's a, just above The Witcher by a couple of places. So I'd say kind of, you know, bottom of the middle third. It's sandwiched between Mixology above it and <laughs> the first season of Succession below it. That's interesting. That's crazy. Got beat by Mixology. Wow, wow. But you know the. The show show is not personal is really the what what's most important is that it's about oh. the love of the game right. it's about the art and it's about the brotherhood. I absolutely had a great time watching this show. Like like just because it's a show that I didn't care for at the end of the day doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the process. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Well, shall we turn our attention towards the future, gentlemen? E, onward to the Wheel of Randomonium. <laughs> We've got to off air, like start harmonizing, get that thing right. And they come in. <laughs> we, we need a, a soundboard, some, guys. We'll just like all get together and create a couple of soundboard at least some clips. Pitch triangles. Ding, ding. Okay, here. I'm, okay, I'm so this, this month we have three offerings, obviously. Uh, Tony, tell us about Counterpart. What is what is Counterpart? Oh, it's not Tony. That's I think Jay. That's Sorry, I only messed it up. <laughs> I would love to tell you about Counterpart. Let me Jay, tell us about Counterpart. Google real quick. I'll take this one. Uh, Counterpart <laughs> is a show from, I think it's 2017, just a few years ago. It stars J.K. Simmons as a Cold War spy in Berlin who discovers that his agency is guarding a portal to a parallel Earth. 
and has to deal with his counterpart. I hear that post-pandemic, uh, the other world uh, looks a lot closer to our current world than 2017 ever could have imagined. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm excited about J.K. Sim- Simmons. Um, I think this is a show that I am going to watch Bono style, uh, which is with or without you. So I'm very excited to see if it will get picked. I, a question. Is this the one that J.K. Simmons got like super buff for? I don't know. Maybe. That's probably Whiplash. I feel like I saw a picture on the internet of him like like mega buff Ooh. out of nowhere. Man, I'm excited for that then. <laughs> I love J.K. Simmons. Tony, you, you've put back up The Watchmen on HBO, right? I Yes, part of that is I forgot to think of one, and then part of it is I really wanted to watch it in the past, and I never did. And I know it was a, a loser on the Wheel of Randomonium, so being selfish and giving it another shot. No, I, I, I'm right there with you with my offering. Letterkenny is back on the wheel. I, I really, it's another one of those shows that I feel like is underappreciated. Um, and especially since Jay enjoys some of the, the white trash humor like mm. I do. Uh, I, I think that he'll enjoy it. Uh, so th- these are our offerings for this Wheel of Randomonium. So let us first shuffle. I'm very excited about all three of these. Ben, to win. Me too. I'm, I'm very excited. Let's spin the McConaughey wheel. All right, 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 all right. Oh, that was close. This is a nail biter. All right. Well, I never saw the wheel, so can somebody tell me what we what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine. Uh, I had clocked my phone, so I missed the wheel. Well, okay. I think I, I won. I, I hope, yeah, Watchmen won. I hope that it's, it says that it's sharing, so I'm sorry that you guys didn't it see did. it. It did. I just forgot to have my phone out to be watching. <laughs> well, yes, it Watchmen won. Hey, Watchmen already. I'm excited. Woot, woot. Me I too. I think this will be probably about as far away as Zack Stone's going to be famous. Probably a very serious kind of darker, grittier kind of semi- superhero movie or not movie television series have we have we talked about this did you guys see that they're rebooting fresh prince of bel-air and making it a gritty reboot yeah i have seen that oh i didn't know it was gritty i saw they were rebooting it i i heard it's like a gritty reboot like it's gonna be more serious not not so whimsical the trailer definitely makes it look more dramatic it's it's gonna be like the wire of uh, fresh prince of bel-air yeah (laughs) In the trailer, they're like, oh, there's a secret about the reason why you're really here. And then it flashes to, like, gang violence. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, dang. Yeah. So, looking forward to that on Peacock. <laughs> I love gritty reboots. <laughs> they're the best. Oh, I can't I can't recommend it. But if you liked the MacGruber movie, the MacGruber TV shows on Peacock, and it's more of the same. So if you liked okay. it, I think you'll like it. If you hated it, I think you'll hate it. It's so. more of Reese Witherspoon's husband shoving a celery stalk up his ass and, and waddling around. <laughs> Is Will Forte married to Reese Witherspoon? No, no, no. It was, uh, was oh, Ryan, Ryan Felipe, Felipe. whatever. Oh yeah. His I don't think they are anymore. Husband. I don't think they're married yeah. anymore, but that's the one thing I remember from the McGruber <laughs> movie is like this very serious yeah. actor. I've seen in many serious <laughs> movies shoving a celery stock up his ass and waddling around like i remember sitting in the theater like falling out of my chair laughing like to this sequence i was like what has happened to the world that 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 ryan felipe is doing this on the screen 
You know, ever since I saw there was going to be a MacGruber TV show, I was like, it's only a matter of time before Aaron submits this for the wheel. <laughs> I didn't even know that it was on. It was it was a thing that can be submitted for the wheel, so it may be coming. <laughs> oh, okay. thank thanks, Tony. Thank you. You're welcome. No problem. Christy will not be happy about this. Well, we're talking about the wire and the high production value, so I thought I'd bring up MacGruber in the same you know breath. Christy will not be thanking you on that one, Tony. <laughs> Well, I am very much looking forward to next month and watching Watchmen. Be looking for our new episode first to next month. Uh, watch along with Watchmen with us. Very excited about that. Uh, sorry to all the callers on the on the phone lines. We did not get to you today. Uh, maybe next time. Big thanks to our executive producer, Dick Wolf, and we'll be seeing you guys next time. Dun, 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 dun. I like Bo Burham.